1: And welcome to another welcome. episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm John. This is Charles.
2: I'm Seth. And, and
1: we have a guest today. We have a guest today, Stu uh, Burns, who is a vampire folklorist. And we thought it appropriate to bring in uh, Stu, especially since this particular episode will air in the month of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it seems appropriate that we talk about something supernatural something, yeah. fantasy-ish. Like that wonderful show, Life Force.
3: Uh, uh, Space vampires, (laughs) as it was once called. Stu
1: Stu
4: grimaced when I said that.
3: No, that was that. that, That's my smile, Bill.
4: Oh, well. First of all, is vampire folklore the title that you want us to use to describe you, or is there works uh, for me? Well, I mean, is there one that you identify as?
3: Well, that's an interesting story, John, because my, you know, my my degrees are all in history. My, you know, my academic work was was, was in that discipline and this, that, and the other. I didn't take a a vampire, I I didn't take a folklore course at all until I was actually past my Ph.D. coursework. But all the um, people who've ever cited me say, well, vampire, they don't say vampire folklore, they say folklorist Stu Burns. And after a while, it becomes a question of identity. Like, if enough people are calling you that, especially people who have... You know, who are senior faculty at large institutions? Well, I guess that kind of is what you are. Yeah. So I, I've, I've, I've kind of, I've embraced that, that identity. Yes.
1: Okay. Sort of like Tyrion Lannister embracing, being the imp, or John Snow embracing did, being did you the, you the just
4: bastard. Stu being a
2: folklorist. No, to I'm saying you you Lattister embrace
1: being a midget. <laughs> you embrace what people are calling you. Uh, yes,
2: it, right. Yes, you embrace your dwarf. Because then they can't
4: use it against you. Tiny yeah. dwarf.
2: <laughs> no one can ever use being a folklorist against you if you embrace it. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now,
1: now, Stu. <laughs> uh, before we started the show, uh, Stu uh, did confess to us that he happens to own the movie Life Force, and as far as that goes in the the realm of vampire depictions,
4: how would you rate it?
3: Well, I mean, in terms of um, how does it compare uh, uh, um, aesthetically, in terms of, you know...
4: know, Well, did did you mean the whole
5: picture of vampires or just space vampires?
4: Just space
3: vampires. I I would like
5: to interject. I just want to be sure it doesn't get missed for those who are Star Trek Trek, Next Generation fans Mm -hmm. that Life Force does have Patrick Stewart's very first kissing scene.
1: And Patrick Stewart and himself, which him, should yes. be enough for anybody, but the first As, kissing scene. I
4: don't remember Pat- Patrick Stewart being in it. I yeah. I
1: don't. He was, uh, he was the director of the, 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 the mental Psychiatric Institute. hospital. Psychiatric
3: hospital, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in terms of um, space vampires, boy, I, there's not a huge filmic body there, that I, at least that I'm aware <laughs> of. Um,
4: Ooh, I learned a new word, filmic. <laughs> I, I like that it rolls off well, the tongue well I'm, I'm I'm glad I'm
3: expanding your your vocabulary <laughs> I, I do appreciate that, that that's what I live for certainly. Yeah. um i mean I, I imagine among space vampires it probably holds a reasonably high position it's sort of like you know who's the, the world's tallest midget perhaps but <laughs> there there you are yeah um I mean, it, it's and it's a it's a difficult film to really enjoy because it it does fall flat in so many areas there are certain there's certain aspects, you know, where, the, where they're very. I, I think the film is very blunt about what it is. I mean, it's it's largely an excuse to show a, a beautiful woman out of any clothes on, right? And then build build a, a, a vampire plot around it. Certainly, <laughs> um, who it also turned out didn't speak any English,
4: right?
2: And didn't need to no. <laughs> at any point. So but when did Life Force come out? Eighty-five. Yeah, and uh,
4: it had, but it had the top of the line effects for its time. It did. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean I mean if you look at it now you realize how much farther we've come, but at the time someone spent a dime on this. Someone someone threw some nickels together to make this. Mm-hmm. And it's did like for for something. It's like it couldn't be just softcore porn. So
1: you'd rate it you'd rate and I think I would rate it above crawl.
4: Uh, I was gonna say, yeah. didn't we just talk about
1: Crawl <laughs> last week? Uh,
3: have you seen Crawl or kid? last time? Uh, it not. Uh, it's been a long time. Uh, yeah. I, I believe yeah. um, <laughs> it doesn't get better but with age. We got sucked into the eighties at some point. Yeah, it we, it doesn't. Did. Yes, we did. did. We will escape. We'll escape. escape. I, I believe uh, Abraham Lincoln said something that, that resonates with me. It's the sort of thing that people who like that sort of thing would like. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that that certainly sums up you know life force pretty well. I mean, yeah. it, 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 but it's a. Um, it, it it was an an interesting effort certainly and that, and that goes back a ways. There's a great little short story in yeah when John when you first uh, mentioned doing space vampires with me. Mm. There's a great little short story from 1933 by C. L. Moore called "A uh, Shamblow," which goes in this idea of this just of this, you know, of this uh, psychic vampire from outer space who who drains people drains people's energy and 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 there's a uh, there's certainly a, a sexualized component to it a gender component to it and. Yeah, really prefigures. It. There, there's a real, there's a real history, and and, and is a great short story, by the way. If you if you ever want to get after it, it I can it, It's it's on archive.org, believe it or not. So yeah, just you do the. So do, well, do the Google you think thing. Colin Wilson stole the idea then? It's Colin Wilson, of course he stole the idea. He stole every <laughs> idea <he> ever had. <laughs> all
4: right. Hmm. Well, all right. You brought up just, uh, an interesting term just now: psychic vampire. Yes. What is? Can you differentiate between psychic vampires? And shall we say
3: more mainstream Dracula? vampires? Because I thought
1: Dracula was psychic because he looks in the eyes and kind of
3: hypnotizes. Well, I think he had some psychic powers, but okay. a, a psychic vampire, and and this is getting into sort of what we were talking about uh, pre-air, about how the, how the concepts evolve and change and how what was folklore becomes literature and then in some ways becomes folklore or folk culture again because mm-hmm. there are folks who... Who really do live live their lives this way? Who really have this have internalized this idea, that uh, psychically, you know, they by being in the same room they can say, I can lock on to that energy and I can draw that energy from you. There's not there's not really a, there's not a blood exchange. It's just like I'm I'm pulling it from you. Hmm. Yeah, you know, that, that 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 would be the in a nutshell what a psychic vampire would be. There's another good short story um, by yeah, you know, and I totally just lost him. Oh, uh, um, uh, Fritz Fritz Lieber. Is, is it Lieber or Lieber?
4: Uh, Lieber, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Fr- uh, Fritz Lieber called The Girl with the Hungry Eyes. Written in the 1940s, and this was about a, a model who, you know, had this, again, very much like Life Force, had this captivating image mm. that you just couldn't stop looking at, and you look into those eyes, and the last lines of the, of the story are, I'm hungry, baby. Feed me.
0: Mm. And, it, and
3: it's just this idea that this person is, is pulling energy from you. And it, again, this starts in fiction, just a science fiction, fantasy, and now there are there are cultures of people who call themselves cyvamps, uh, or rather, there are, there are cultures of people who call themselves real living vampires. And you have sangvamps who actually, where there's there is a blood exchange, usually, usually with, from a willing donor, the people, someone who says, "Oh yes, yes, I'll give you my blood," which is usually a couple they slit their shoulder and they take a couple drops, or they call themselves cyvamps, meaning that. You know, I, I, f- I can feel like I'm pulling this energy from. It's a very it's a very new age mm. sort of sort of concept. But yeah, but these are things that start that really started in, in literature for, for the most part.
1: So the pulling of the energy then does yes. remind me of life force because that's kind yes. of what they did there.
3: Oh yes, yeah, well, yeah, yeah that, 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 that yeah, that's that's what got <coughs> me onto it. Oh, I yeah. see. Um, and, and and now they've this basically has come become folklore again. It makes its way around. And and I shouldn't I shouldn't say it started in literature because now I'm, the more I think about it. Really, a lot of the early vampire stories, you know. Now, and now we're talking about eighteenth um, century. We're talking about when the Austrian Empire goes into the you know, goes into the Balkans, and they find some fun stuff. You don't you don't have that many stories of someone of a physical body actually grabbing someone and and biting their neck or or, or their chest or whatever and pulling blood in. What you have are people who are just sort of vaguely seen around, maybe who are attacked, maybe. Um the vampire is strangling people, and people just gradually sort of waste away. You know they're, they're, they, don't, they don't find wounds, they don't find punctures it's just it's just sort of pulled from them in so this ethereal way hmm. and, and, and this gets into physical anthropology because then you um, as a way to try to ameliorate the situation, people they'll open graves and they'll see this this body who my guy looks like he's putting on some weight. He's got some blood coming out of his mouth. That's what he's been doing. He's been drawing our blood, our life force. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not really a puncture, that's how they cons- they would conceive of energy, as, uh-huh. as the blood. The blood is the life. That's that that metaphysics. Yep. And, yeah. and, and and there you go. So, so, so all yeah, of it, this er- is based
4: upon a uh, misunderstanding of empirical evidence?
2: Yes. Okay. Lore did a really good episode on... Uh, uh, Lore is a podcast that... Uh, covers mm-hmm. uh, folklore and yeah. just does a deep dive into it. And so they did an episode on this where this was like one of the conceit, the, the explanations in New England, right? Yeah. In New England, right? Right. Yeah, right. In New in England. an explanation for uh, consumption. So mm-hmm. it's like a fa- a whole family. One would get sick one after the other. And the explanation mm-hmm. was like the first one who died had been inhe- inhabited by a demon and was just like sucking their life force from beyond the grave.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and they they'd dig them up, and if there was still blood in the heart, well, this is this is what's doing it. And you'd burn the you'd burn the heart, and then you'd drink give, the ashes. G- drink the ashes. Really. And there you go. Hmm. And and just you know, just to to specify, this is you know the, the earlier example I gave us is from Southeast Asia, Southeast, Southeast Europe, which is this <coughs> very pre-industrial society. Really, had been under Ottoman domination for a long time, for essentially a colony in Europe, but. What Seth is talking about is in New England as late as the eighteen nineties. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, all this this is happening within a day really a day's ride of Harvard University. Hmm. So it's you we can't think that, well, this is something that other societies do because yeah. every society does this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah but we've we've stopped drinking the ass
5: the ashes. Most Did of the us ashes. Yeah, 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 the ashes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've we've become a society taste, of taste, evidently. Have.
3: Most of us have. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but then among among us we have people who say Um, you know, the the, the vaccines will really kill you. The vaccines have have no no efficacy. I mean, yeah, we
4: well, actually, the the vaccines are dangerous and they cause autism based upon no evidence whatsoever. And yes, it's uh, anti vaxxer is is this kind of belief, Mm -hmm. it's a cultural belief, and it's like those
3: are very strong. Yes, they don't have to have proof. Now,
1: (laughs) when did vampire lore first
3: start? Oh, gosh. Um, there's a little bit of debate about this, but honest to goodness, Bill, that's kind of like asking. You know, when did hero lore start? I mean, I think it, to some degree, and and this is largely again be, because of the of, the, of f- f- forensic reasons. Mm. Um, there is some thread of, of of the vampire motif in most world cultures, and this mm. can go back to class. There, there's a classical story about a young man who's engaged this to this young woman, and he slowly gets sicker and sicker and sicker until finally one of the the patriarchs of the clan, and, and and this is from, this is from about about, about three hundred A.D. And I, I wish I had the the author's name on the top, on at the, at the tip of my tongue. Yeah, you know, realizes what she is and what kind of a creature she is, and she admits to it, and they destroy her, and that's the end of it. So it's, it's effectively a vampire story, huh. from from uh, from late antiquity in uh, in, in, in Europe. Well, wow. we kind yeah. of call them vampires, but
2: like the there are like like the there's like clearly things we recognize as vampires, but they're like. Wildly different and interesting between cultures. Oh yeah! Like yeah. I love hearing about the different types of vampires. Mm-hmm. Like uh, one of my favorites is the hopping vampire. Oh, f- from China, yeah. Yeah.
1: So what's the deal with the hopping vampire,
3: Xin Shang? um yeah. Oh, there's there's a lot to that, and the the hard part is you get into sort of the Heisenberg effect here. Is how much of this is native folklore and how much of this is something that someone. That, that the observer either projected on it or that the hearer is projecting back from what they've heard. But mm-hmm. yeah, the Zhangxi the, the would be... I'm, I, I'm more familiar... I'm, I'm not as familiar with, with the hopping aspect of it, but you'd have a, a recently dead person who would come... If, if, because you're supposed to have this long wake into you know, the night, and you know, you're you not supposed to be someone always awake and mourning and, and carrying out the proper rights for this, per, for this person who's died. But if everyone falls asleep um then the the soul, which is supposed to be kept separate to go out and do its its ruminations, will come back into the the uh, the body uh-huh. and and do some malevolent things. So one in one, one of the stories is everyone's falling asleep and the Zhangxi gets up and just starts and basically kills everyone by breathing in their in their mouth. The one person who's telling the story realizes what's going on, so he holds his breath when the Zhangxi comes over and, and breathes on him and then they the Jiangxi realizes this person's not dead and starts chasing him. They chase him down the, um, through the forest and they manage the way the only first way this person is saved is the Zhangxi corners them and uh, tries to take their life by impaling them with their these long fingernails and those get stuck in the tree and they get stuck there and then the sun, the sun comes up and they fall back to being a, a no longer an animated body. Huh. So it, it, that, that, that may not even be the, the story really you were thinking of, but but yet yeah, but yeah, but exactly every yeah, every culture every culture does put their own spin on it. So by the time you get to life force, this is really it's a different it's a sci-fi apprehension comprehension of of, of this same of this same motif. So it's kind of like how
4: elves, uh, trolls, gnomes, and pixies were the social construction of aliens in the Middle Ages. It's like it's how cultures view a thing through the, the adaptive lens of their own
3: particular uh, society.
4: Um, environment mm-hmm. is a better word. Mm-hmm.
3: Or, or conversely, how aliens are the the twenty the twentieth century adaptation of elves, trolls. and Yeah, well, it's a,
4: it, the inverse is yeah, mm-hmm. is absolutely true. Yeah, of course. Uh, but I mean, okay. So, what you just said about the jump, the hopping vampires. Mm-hmm. uh does that make the Dine belief of skinwalkers uh a kind of vampire because they that sounded when you were telling the story it sounds a lot like what the the Diné or navajo mm-hmm. think will happen
3: to their dead they 're afraid of their dead for that very reason mm-hmm. it's been, it 's been um it 's been slotted in there um it, and john i don 't know if in, in your study if you 're familiar with, with folklore tools at all there 's a this great old work that was done in the, in the mid50s called the motif index of folk literature no, no, basically every type of folk of thing that might come up in a folktale is indexed in this five volume work that's very like the Library of Congress um, indexing system and the the vampire is well now I can't think of it e, I, uh, e 251 huh. for example and and under th- and even in, in the 1950s if you look at that index it has all these examples of e of e two fifty one. Huh. I mean, there's what? the and from really from all over the. World. So yeah, yeah the, the, the skinwalker's been slotted in there. There is an Abenaki story, and this is from the northeastern uh, U.S. and in, into in Quebec.
4: That sounds familiar. Can you refresh my memory about Abenakis?
3: Yeah, yeah. They're they're, they're um they're, they're they're part of the. And I can't I can't think. Of course, what what's what's the name of, the, of that um group of tribe the, the, At the, 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 the,
4: the, the Athabascan groups?
3: Um. Algonquin, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, um, that the, yeah, Northeastern Native mm-hmm. American group. Who, and there's a story there that, boy, resembles Serbian vampirism, as we usually conceive of it, almost better than most Serbian vampire stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, this, this couple is coming back from a hunt and taking this long trip, and they end up in this shelter. And they see this dead body up on the uh, up on this scaffold, you know, sca- scaffold burial, sky, sky burial, which not uncommon. You know, the, the Omaha's use use the same thing.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's sufficient. Yeah. yeah. And and the the wife says, I don't want to stay here, because I think that person who's who's buried there, was a, um, and an, um and I, I I can't pronounce the word, but was what what, what uh, was a seer, was um, someone with, uh, with 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 uh, occult occult powers. Well, an oracle. What. Whatever the particular yeah yeah it varies
4: there. a great deal from mm-hmm. native culture to native culture
3: oh so, of course yeah. of course yeah from language to language and and the husband of course tells her to pipe down which was which was a mistake and they they stay there and well it not things don't work out very well for the husband and she wakes up <laughs> and and here's this body with this blood coming out of its mouth and her husband's laying there disemboweled and she's holy crow and, and so she flees and this ball of fire uh, trails behind her and but she she manages to get to um, a, a group of friendlies, and they go back and they, they cremate this body. And mm. everything in that story is just classic Eastern European vampirism. Do you
4: think that's mm. uh, cultural transmission, or do you think that's... That's a problem. Uh, yeah, it, it did. It's, did that's, perhaps that's the French
3: or English settlers tell them the story, or... Yeah, and and, and, and this is collected in 1892, so by, by then, yeah, there's... Vampire oh, popular yeah. fiction is is ubiquitous by this point, yeah. yeah. Although it's it's more, it's way more folkish, than, than, than the popular fiction because by by that time the the popular fiction was all, was was very much the the aristocratic vampire and had already taken hold. You know the first, short story of the aristocratic vampire is written eighteen nineteen as a as a take that to Lord Byron, and then um, Varney the Vampire is this long incredibly. Crazy work <laughs> from the 1840s. You, know, you know, you know Varney. Yeah, I've no,
2: never read boy. any, but I've
3: heard, heard about him in multiple talks. We we tried to read it one time with a with a group, and we just we, we lost our energy. We couldn't do it anymore. Mm. It was it's just there's just too much to it.
4: How, did, what is it torturous? Is it? Is it's just, is it well, verbose. Is well, it, yeah,
3: it, it was originally a, 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 it was a, it was a, it was an original penny dreadful, mm. mm-hmm. and it was, but the series went on for a couple the guy didn't want it take it that long but every time that he tried to kill varney off they said no no we, we need more this is selling too much and so he'd find a way to resurrect him and they'd go on for a little while and he'd kill him again and they'd resurrect him again and finally at the end he he finally said i've had enough of this and he had him jump into a volcano
1: <laughs> hard to resurrect from that
3: yeah, well pretty <coughs> much, yes.
2: lava
1: pretty much well, takes care of uh,
2: when you're an author and you have something that sells you kind of Go with what your publisher wants because they pay you. So
3: oh, we were just talking about how this, the Simpsons are in their thirtieth season. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. basically this is like the the Simpsons of the vampire stories. Mm-hmm.
2: now how does so the first five books were great and then everything else.
1: <laughs> yeah, now a lot of us have heard about Vlad the Impaler and there's mm-hmm. often references about that every halloween and how that's maybe the source of vampirism and or the 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 original source of where the vampire legends came from or what they're based on and you've already touched on the fact that they go well back farther than that but can you talk about how vlad the impaler fits into a lot of the folklore and yeah yeah okay. absolutely
3: there really isn't any folklore about vlad himself being a, a vampire having much of a real much of an afterlife at all there's surprisingly little there's plenty of folklore about him while he was alive hmm. But yet yet uh, Dracula and I, I I I do I prefer to use the the word Dracula for the guy because the the impaler is what that's what the enemy's mm. called. Yeah. You know, Vlad uh, Vlad uh, Vlad, Sepesh, Vlad the Impaler. That's that's a Turkish word. That mm. that, that that's what you, that's what people call you when they don't like you.
0: Mm.
3: Um Vla, uh, Vlad Dr- Dracula. He he signed himself Dracula. That mm. it meant that he was a member like his father of the Crusading Order of the Dragon, which was an anti-Turkish. Crusading order in, in Southeast Europe. In real life he assigned himself that name.
5: Yes. Dracula. Yeah, th- so my, 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 have... my friends call me Dracula. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you answer to that? Well, I just wanted to be sure. We're he's lower. just yeah. he's
1: yeah. saying I'm glad my friends yeah. call me Dracula. Dracula.
5: Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm Dracula. Chuck well, cause, cause Dracula. Because somebody went, "Hey, Vlad the Impaler, Impaler." And Impaler. he went, "No, yeah. no, my friends call me Dracula." <laughs> <laughs> but back then, man, back then Dracula you, you did not have <laughs>
1: Dracula did uh, not have the horrible image that we no. paint to it today. No. It would have just been like he says, the, no. the no, name I mean, of that order. Either yeah, way, he was well dressed.
3: It was, it, 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 was it, it was his. Yeah, yeah Dracula means uh, uh, son of the dragon. His father was Vlad Dracul, Vlad the Dragon, and he mm. was Vlad Dracula, which is son of the dragon. He's there. There are at least two documents extend where he signed himself Vlad Dracula. Mm.
4: Uh-huh.
3: Yeah, yeah, that that was his. It was like you, know, William the Conqueror, or or what have you. Or, oh. Or, or, oh, it's or, a
4: title kind of.
3: Yeah, yeah, A, 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 a surname a that
4: is also a recognizable aspect of his genealogy. Yes. Okay. Yes, very I much. And, you
2: know, people would probably have respect for badass titles then as they
3: do today. Very much so. Yeah.
1: So why, why do you think that the movies picked up on that Dracula name?
3: Well, because 400 years later, there's a guy who managed a theater in London who said, I'm going to write me a vampire story. And having access to these things, he goes down to the to the British Library and does some research and finds a couple of paragraphs. You're relating to this guy who with a name like Dracula, which he thinks sounds cool, especially considering it's, that it means son of the devil, because devil and dragon same word mm-hmm. in, in in Romanian. Mm-hmm. And he yeah, you know, lifts a couple of paragraphs out of a book with with some history about this guy and says that's my vampire. Yeah, you know, you know, Stoker's original. Original novel, the original name of the character was uh, Count Wampir. Mm. You know, he's kind of kind of messing with it a little bit, and he saw he saw that name and said, "That's what I'm going to name him." There you go. And so it, he essentially grasps this relatively obscure um, medieval uh, character from the, from the medieval Balkans onto the vampire legend, and the rest is history. Mm. This is exactly how all writing
2: work or all fiction writing works. Mm-hmm. You find a weird idea, and you just
1: Blow it up.
3: Yep, right. and it, up. It, it, it's it, it's just like uh, James Tiberius Kirk. Yeah, you know why 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 would give that name? Because somebody found the historical character and thought it sounds cool, and 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 popped it on there. Now so he's yeah, a space
4: captain. Yes, precisely. He is normal eared and all. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> uh, Seth was reading to us the uh, the original uh, TV Guide review of Star Trek when it first came out in nineteen sixty-eight. Um, Read that for us. That was kind of funny.
2: Star Trek, premiere. Twilight Zone-type science fiction series aims at kids and adults with a weird opener about an alien body on a strange planet who assumes shapes of men or women in its quest for life-giving salt. The puzzling plot teeters on the absurd but walkie-talkie devices, colored space food, laser beam guns, and the pointed ears of Spaceman Spock, Leonard Nimoy, will appeal to the youngsters. The star of the series is the normal-eared William Shatner playing a no-nonsense spaceship captain. In color.
1: (laughs) That's how I want to be identified. The normal-eared Bill Newman.
4: Well, no, we (laughs) we identified
2: you yesterday.
4: You're one lab accident away from being a supervillain. So it's like... one tragic thing: if life <laughs> throws you a bad bone, you're gonna make everyone suffer. No, like, no, I, no, no, John. No. Why? First of all, you're like no, 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 but you're laughing maniacally. <laughs> no, because it's so absurd, you, it, it, uh, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Dracula. Is that is that not? Does that not maniacal laughter? But
5: we may partner up later. <laughs> <laughs> he might be my
4: my minion. But yeah, until the minute he starts working with aluminum, and then yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like this this Legion I'll of Doom is over. I'll help him right gather now. some
5: souls. It'll be all right. Right.
4: Uh, it's all right. We're 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 doing private jokes we're in drifting. front of our fine guest. and, uh, and well, so excellent what's,
5: audience. Yes. Do most folklorists with, with the vampire genre do they think it really is just across all societies? human nature generally misinterprets empirical evidence in a certain way, or is it meme transfer storytelling that causes this to hit all the different societies? Yes. Both.
1: Yeah, it's all
2: that.
3: Yeah, yeah, it it it's an active debate. I mean, honestly with I think within f- people who work in folklore and anthropology, um, the the forensic uh, explanation, which is which was really elaborated on by, by Paul Barber in a book from Yeah, I always I like to you know, crack my Ivy League whip once in a while. He, Paul Barber published this great book from Yale University Press not quite 30 years ago, um, where, where he really goes into the, the forensic evidence. And it made a big splash amongst vampire fans and amongst folks outside of the field. And, you know, Folklorist anthropologists, as a rule, don't dig it as much as as other folks, because, as you said, they they're, the discipline is more built on, on meme transfer, on text, and... I, I think really you can have both. I think what, what, what Barber's work does, what the forensic work work does is, is give us the physical possibilities and say, okay, here's what you're seeing and everything else is, okay, now what are you going to do with it? Um, there are some more, there are some stories that I I consider a little more speculative about how at least Balkan vampirism is a survival of uh, dualistic religion from from way back when or from you know, var- various and sundry, you know, mythological beliefs, and you, you can have both. You know, there, there's, mm-hmm. there's thoughts, there's physical. I mean, there, there, there are some stories where, I mean, there are so many vampire stories where they have that scene where you open up the, the grave and, it's an intact corpse. That's like, oh come on, this is, this is, this is what's happening. You know, you're seeing something that looks like a miracle, which, is actually. Within the range of the normal state of affairs, mm-hmm. so I, 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 th- I, th- I think there, there, there's a lot to it. I mean, I think in, in, in terms of, of transfer, that's a, that's another story altogether. Because you hear so many stories that are so similar, that n- don't necessarily have that. Well, of course, are similar because that's the, real, the way the real world works. Aspect to them, that yeah, there's there's obvi- there's some transmission there. There's some archetype to it. Um, there's some. Who knows how far how far it goes back? Uh, there was a there was a great lecturer. Uh, from the Stone Age, Stone Age Institute in uh, Bloomington, Illinois, who, who came and gave a, a lecture to the Leakey Society here a few years ago. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to get into folkloristics with the guy, but he had a couple bullet points on, on development of language in the Stone Age. And I said, so...
4: How so, do you... How,
3: all right. Without writing, how my, do you actually well, <laughs> talk that, about that at all? Well, that was my question to him, yeah. yeah. He was talking really more along the lines of, like, brain development, like... when when can we tell these folks we're we're capable of this sort of thing and the the line he had just based on on the material culture he had was that if these folks are telling stories they're telling the same ones over and over and over that's how an oral history works Yeah,
4: but yeah no I I agree and it's it's like there's uh, all kinds of physiological proof that they could talk probably before we were human almost Mm-hmm. Homo erectus certainly, almost certainly could talk because it had trade networks, uh, made boats, mm-hmm. uh, did all kinds of things. But, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree that the transmission, as it radiuses out, it might diffuse a little bit. But, mm-hmm. but like religion, mm-hmm. the, the re, a lot of religions share more than they actually differ. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's got to be a core mm-hmm. somewhere yeah. in terms of that.
3: Religion, language. I was talking to uh, my roommates in, in grad school were, were, were from China, and I would ask them, "So, do you have the same parts of speech in Chinese?" He said, "Pretty much." He said, "They just laugh and said, yes, dude. This is this is universal stuff.' I mean, and and, mm-hmm. and, you, and you know, from human history, there's this popu- yeah, these population bottlenecks where there are yeah maybe ten thousand human beings on the planet yeah yeah. Uh, so if if all of our which f- is
4: why we all still I have a. a We can all interbreed. It's like, yeah, we are the same species still. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. No, no. So from that winnowing, that culture, the ones that actually survived would be the ones that got to transmit their beliefs. Mm -hmm. Makes you wonder what else was out there before all this went away. There could be a lot of good stories we're missing.
5: Oh, I know there are. Or Or is there... (coughs) uh, you know, a Darwinistic advantage to this folklore, an evolutionary advantage. Do you think, um, or is it just for fun and games?
1: I don't know that it would be fun well, and games, well, but I could think, I well, could see where its use could be. It could be used as a way of controlling people it, through it fear. It is,
4: but sometimes control is good. Like the Old Testament is full of prescriptions of mm-hmm. uh, like, like the whole uh, Jewish people not eating pork without it being sanctioned in a certain way. When you're a nomadic people, pork is dangerous. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a, a good idea to, to make prescriptions on how you make pork. Otherwise, you know, your are already low population is going to die of, of the various diseases you can get from that. So the, the, and the most uh, the, the best way to enforce that is to make it a religious doctrine. It's like, you can't eat pork, God said so.
2: It's unclean. It's
4: unclean, it is, and and you know because people there's always people say yeah, yeah I'll, I I can make pork right, just so I don't care what the the government says at the time, but but if it's something that offends their god then they might not make it and Google.
2: get you shunned
4: and mm-hmm. thus more uh, of your people
2: live yeah
4: so kind of like that
2: mm, yeah but, I can see that. I can also see there being an advantage to just entertainment. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone needs something to tell around this, the campfire, campfire at night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's actually and scary all scary stories did, are
4: the best. That's all, every, for 300,000 years, all humans did was wake up, walk, eat everything they found, sit out at night in the campfire and tell stories, wake up and do that again. Yep. For 300,000 years, that's what people did. Yeah, That's it. So, yeah, stories, more stories.
3: Better yeah. stories. In fact, yeah. Tra- so, so given that the enriching discussion we've just had, Charles, I'll take it back to you. Is there an evolutionary advantage to, to, to um, uh, these um, stories? Yes, yeah, to, to to podcasting on science fiction. And that's Ooh.
4: exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah,
3: we're going exactly. to find out, aren't we? Yeah.
4: <laughs> we just need to start a little fire. There might be. Right about, oh, just like that, we got a nice little fire going now, and we're talking around it. Yes. 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 I can feel yes. the heat here.
1: If you burn the table, yes. Linda will be yes. irritated.
4: Yes, mammoth good, yes. <laughs> mm, mammoth steaks.
3: Let's go on to extinction.
1: So basically, I think what we're saying then is that those folks listening to this podcast will have an evolutionary advantage, advantage to the others. Though.
5: There, there <laughs> we go. Yes. They yeah. will have well, now, more also, knowledge of stuff. Think sun. about
4: the person who could tell better stories. Would they mate more? In a, in a in a society where all the really important things happen at night around the campfire with the stories if you're the good storyteller all of a sudden you know there's you know i see, i can see that being something that would be sexually selected for mm-hmm. in in early populations
2: from, from my experience this isn't true but then i might or might not be a good storyteller <laughs> so
4: you are yes you are you're a good storyteller yeah. You won't, there won't, there will be no sex for you today.
3: There are inter- intermediate stages to that, too. I, what I've always heard is that there was never a better storyteller than Abraham Lincoln. Huh. And so the, a good, good storyteller is perhaps selected for, roles of, can be selected for roles of leadership. So that's, that's one adjunct there. And leadership, now, now, now you're talking about sexual selection.
4: And, and the ability to tell the story means you have the ability to interpret the oral traditions
2: and speak in so, front of people which which is quality which is, for a which leader. Is always good. Well, and better orators, always yeah. Always good. Now, something I'm curious Even in about super villains, yes. is uh, yes. What ha- what has been the effect of the internet like on folklore?
3: Mm-hmm. That, that, it's, it's interesting that you'd ask that. It's because the internet <coughs> has to a large degree become our new, our new folk. Yes. And, and, it, and you're blurring lines.
4: That, that applies to UFOlogy, too. It's like, after since the invention of the Internet, or the application of the Internet, that's where UFO uh, folklore is. Mm-hmm. It's like the archives before that were random magazines and, and personal stories people told. Mm-hmm. And it's like now, it's like the, the early Internet actually owes uh, porn and ufology for its existence—it actually propped it up. It was; those were the most popular searches in in the very early days. And it's like folklore. The ufology is folklore. It's entirely folklore. There's there's no there's no empirical evidence they're, for any of it, so mem- it's all folklore.
3: Memorates, yeah, in folkloric jargon, is, is a memory Yeah. What's
4: what's not. Uh, blatant crap is folklore. I'll yeah. put it that way. But yeah. to say all of his folklore kind of insults folklore. Yeah. So,
3: okay. yeah. I, I mean, would well, okay. But, you know, to, to get more to the, to the root, this is a little more boring than the UFO, UFOlogy. And probably shouldn't go backwards this way, but, and Bill's already heard this story at least once. Um, one of the, fir- the first stories that I collected, you know, when I was doing uh, some, some graduate work was this uh, trip legend to these people who would drive out in the country and if you flashed your headlights so many times you'd, you'd see this the light of this lantern, of this ghostly lantern off in the distance go, go by. And I won't get into the story but in, in days of your uh, if you heard the story you, you'd ask your friends like have you heard this, have you heard this but the girl who told me this the person I collected the story from she heard the story and what'd she do? <laughs> I didn't expect that to happen.
0: Boom.
1: Right <laughs> to the,
3: Right to the internet. That happened
1: to, to verify it.
3: A, that's exactly the first place she went was I'm going to look this up on the internet. Yeah, I mean, and, and which is what happens now. You you hear a story from someone, and if you have any doubts about it or want more detail, you don't go. And back in the day, you would say, "Well, go ask, go ask grandpa, go ask uncle so and so, go go ask the elder of our of right. our group." Today, you go ask Google.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, okay. does Snopes help with mitigating um, fables and stories that originate on the internet?
5: What do you think? I don't think critical thinking well, comes into play Well, it here. depends
1: on who, who, who sees it. I mean, if somebody, there's a lot of people that will post this stuff without thinking. They just see it, they repost it, they don't care. But I do see that there are those that push back, that will do the research, that will go to the Snopes or whatever, and then post refutative your, your question evidence.
2: Is, oh, this is like folklore, wait, though.
4: Wait, your question is meant for a demographic that's not at this table. Every single one of us went to college. Mm. Every single one of us went to college. And therefore, we have, to get out of college, you have to take Comp 1 and Comp 2. And during Comp 1 and Comp 2, they teach you how to differentiate between good and bad sources. So to us, I mean, I can go on the Internet, and I know how to seek out good and bad information. You do, too. They don't. And only 25% of all Americans go to college. So there's 75% of people, since the, well, the public school system, what, what are you going to say? I'm just
5: saying some non college people are still critical thinkers.
4: That is an outlier, actually. <laughs> it, no, you got to look at it okay. like this. It's like to say that is true. What you said is true, but it's not descriptive of the group that I'm talking well, about. Well, I suppose. Of yeah. that right, 75%, very few.
3: Yeah, I mean, but, 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 but getting away from, from, form, from formal education, just getting into, into personality types. I mean, there are some people who see something cool and say, I'm going to share this, this, this story because it's, it's cool and I like it and I'm going to share it. I'm, I'm, because I've, I've known people in online communities you know, who did this, this all the time, and they were just nonsensical stories. And so some of the other folks, the They're moderators, or people like me would come back and say, no, what you just said isn't true. You know, that, that didn't happen. And they would, instead of saying, oh, my bad, sorry... They would say, "I'm hey now I'm mad at you, because I was having fun with this story, and, 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 and you you showed, showed that I was that I was wrong." They, people get upset with you because that story. Re- I saw a great quote the other day that a, that folklore or any, anything like that is only successful if it reinforces a belief that um, mm. um, that's already there. So when you ref- it, you can post a factual refutation, and yeah. now you know, now that we're into the whole now that we have a a national leader who Routinely call source stories fake news. Yeah, people say, "Well, oh, because yeah, there the, there the are folks I know, like most of the, the flat earthers." I do have a couple in my, in my circle, unfortunately. Um, if you cite Snopes, they just laugh. They say, ha, "Snopes, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. That's worthless." No, it's not. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, but 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 in in their I, world, I know yeah. I'm
4: not refuting you. I'm saying that for our, our viewing audience, <laughs> it's like uh, knowledge good. Yeah, yeah, and it's like. But, but we got to be careful because now it's like I'm almost feeling like we're getting into folklore bad mm-hmm. because if, if it sprouts these kinds of disbeliefs in empirical
3: observation, then is that, that's bad, isn't it? Well, fo- fo- folklore is good and folklore is bad. I mean, folklore has, it, it's, 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 I think it's, it's like any other medium, really. It, it, it's certainly far less controlled, but a lot of things that you know and know how to do you may not realize our our folk knowledge. I mean, like 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 Bill, even someone like even you know someone like you who you does programming and mm-hmm. and networking IT. There are a lot of workarounds and things you get into that they really, they really don't teach you in school. It's like okay, I got into a certain environment, and a lot of this really is is folk knowledge. I learned it you know from somebody who showed me a, mm-hmm.
1: passed it down.
3: Yeah, yeah, you pass it down. A, a little shortcut that mm-hmm. you know if there, there's just too many of them for everyone to learn in in a in a standard curriculum, but. Well, for our little subset, you know, here you go. Here, here's how you do that. that that's all folklore. That's, yeah. that's you know, mouth-to-mouth, per, person-to-person kind of, uh, transmission.
2: The mm. stories of the C-sharp nomads.
0: Hmm.
3: What? <laughs> yes, you don't have to raise your hand. Or maybe you do. Oh. <laughs> still got that reference. <laughs> all like, right, I, 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 you... I write in all C-sharp, right. so yes, I do. I, I get... would, would you uh, like to share that?
5: It's computer lingo. Uh, it yeah. sounds
1: like more like music lingo.
5: Yeah. Is what. Yeah.
2: Well, no, I would joke reference nothing. <laughs> oh,
4: Well you not going to well, share? Well, okay. no, it's, it's, no, no. So, no, no, no C, C plus is a computer language. C, I,
2: yeah, I C know. sharp oh. is a computer language. That's what I work in. C sharp. And we were talking about the stories that teach the lessons and yes, the tales no, yeah, of
3: the yeah. C sharp nomads. Okay, not familiar was with a, C sharp. C plus plus. Yeah. There was there there was a class of objects one at one time, and the class of objects could. Was what was going to kill our dragons.
2: The the church teaches that you are supposed to sort arrays in only this way. But you know, <laughs> we there are there are tales of a library that will help you sort
3: them even faster and easier. <laughs> okay, we've lost a couple people at the table now. No, yes. no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm loving this. This is great. <laughs> It's
4: like it's like I didn't know there was an oral history f- uh, factor into uh, programming. Pro- yeah, there's
3: program. a bit. Oh, there, there, there's a tremendous amount of programming humor. Oh my goodness gracious! No, well, well that's, if if
5: I was a ghoul, if I was a nightwalker, I, pro- I would probably uh, become a programmer.
2: Well, you know there are. There's a lot of jokes about computer programmers fearing the sun and, and yeah, they all look surviving only
1: vampire-ish. by a special
5: liquid that they consume. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> I can see that.
5: And, and, the, uh, and the IT guys do kind of suck the life force from me when I have to deal with them. <laughs> well, <that's Maybe> now <laughs> now that's horrible.
4: Not as bad as
1: engineers that's bore the us the, with their.
4: <laughs> that's the best way to get Bill to hijack your car. Oh <laughs> yeah, like he's, he's that's why I park around the block. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He'll just like he'll, he'll call it to him. It's like it's it's his servant now. Yeah, he's, he'll I'll just be sucking all its all the life force. Computers. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, listen. Well, while we're on the subject of the dead and stories, <laughs> well, well,
4: oh. yeah. <laughs> stories. Uh... This is we always had, an intro for you to do a bad pun. No, no, no. Always, every no. time. All right, all Burt Reynolds okay. passed away this week. So you we, we just called Burt Reynolds a zombie? No, kind of, like, I said, like, while we're talking cool. about the dead oh, and
1: okay. stories, Burt Reynolds died away this week, and many people may not be aware that he did have some ties into science fiction. And uh, there was an, actually an article written, and uh, for those that don't know, that might be looking for some sci-fi experience involving Burt Reynolds <clears throat> he um, had the distinction of appearing in the very last hour-long episode of The Twilight Zone hmm. it was a 1963 satire titled the bard that featured a, appropriately enough a time tr- a time warped William Shakespeare um, in that episode Shakespeare ended up uh, indignantly punching Burt Reynolds' character, a Marlon Brando style method actor, in frustration after the modern day film The Shakespeare <laughs> Script got bogged down in production hell. So there's that one to look forward to. Um, he also, uh, and some uh, X Files fans may remember this, um, he also played the part of God. Yes, that God. Um, in the ninth season X-Files episode titled Improbable. uh, The part was specifically written with Reynolds in mind (laughs) after he expressed interest in appearing on the Chris Carter-created show. As God, Reynolds played a mysterious human form acquaintance and observer of the protagonist, Wayne, a killer who died amid an epiphany that he should have followed the stranger's cryptic but helpful advice. Sounds like an interesting X-Files. I may have to look that one up because yeah. I don't remember that one. No,
4: I don't remember that one either. But uh, it does sound cool. Yeah.
3: I, I'll, that, that Twilight Zone sure sounds... The, the idea of Burt Reynolds as a Method-style Marlon Brando actor is the darndest thing. Yeah.
4: Yeah. That, I, I can only envision in my head it being done badly. I, I, I can't see uh, Burt Reynolds doing that. No, but no, I, no, I'm not saying it is... I'm not saying it is bad. In fact, it's probably very, very good. <laughs> but in in my head, how I'm seeing him played is like he's the bandit, and it's like he's doing Brando as the bandit, and yeah, it's, it's like that's bad. That's oh, just gosh. not good. Don't right. do that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, w-
3: I watched Smoking the Bandit a um, couple couple of days ago, this this has some relevance to our our story, our thing a minute ago when we started making C sharp jokes, mm. Yeah. and, and people at the table who don't, who don't write or do, who don't write in C sharp are looking around like what the hell are these guys talking about there, there's a great line this is, and, and this, 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 this has a little relevance from Smoking the Bandit where um, Sally Field, for a good long time has been talking to Burt Reynolds' character has been talking to the bandit about a musical theater which is perhaps understandably not a, a field that, that Bo has a lot of um, background in but so as they get out of the car and start walking down the lane he says well, do you know who Richard Petty is? She goes, no. Do you know who Waylon Jennings is? She says, no. He says, when you say something, how stupid you sound depends on what part of the country you're standing in. Right. And right. It's, it, because we all have our the the, the subculture that mm-hmm. has its own. That is profound. Is mm-hmm. it, it, it its own side? Yeah. Yeah. The, there the, the, there's real profundity in Smokey and the Bandit. I I was surprised how much there was actually. Was a,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that quote. I didn't remember it was from that show, but I remember hearing that before. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Let's see. He was also played the part of um, Les Williams, a supportive father of a monster-obsessed teenager in the 1996 movie *Frankenstein and Me*.
2: I think I might have seen that when I were, when I was much younger.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the elder Williams dies in the movie, but the wistful dreamer's spirit he shared with his son, Earl, um, urges Earl forward to eventually find the real Frankenstein and reanimate him, in part to honor his father's memory. <laughs> Sounds
4: that's like an interesting. That's always a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: What could go wrong? What
1: could go wrong? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like young Frankenstein, right? Where he reanimated, <laughs> created the Frankenstein do. That's one of my favorite Halloween.
2: That that is a tradition with us is is to watch. uh, Yeah,
3: my name is Frankenstein. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) Um, Let's see. (laughs) I ain't got no. I I, I don't want to
3: digress too much from the Burt Reynolds because it's because it's important. (laughs) But my my favorite Young Frankenstein story is when Mel Brooks went to. What's what's now yeah Chris can't think of anybody's name to the fellow who did the um, the sets for the original Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, oh. Yeah, you, you get older, you can't remember these, these guys' names. You know, Ken, Ken Strickfatten, there you go. He goes to Ken Strickfatten's house and says, hey, do I? You know, where do you think I could get some of this stuff? What sort of things did you actually use to make the set? I wanted to make it look as, as authentic as possible. And, and he back, had them all. Yeah, yeah. Bill, yeah. yeah he looked at I him, he, he smiled him and said, come here. goes to his garage. Yeah, and he's got all that stuff in there. Throws back a tarp, and there she is. And they used every bit of it in that movie. Yeah, I,
1: nice. I remember reading that or hearing about that, and I thought that was pretty awesome.
4: Yeah,
3: I like it when you
4: recycle classics. Um, People, props, things like that. Mm -hmm. Makes me happy. It does.
1: Anyway, I'll post a... uh link to the story on the podcast about Burt Reynolds. So there's a few other shows that they mentioned that he was sci-fi related shows that he was in that people might find interesting. Like like
3: like like, like um, what what else cuz we, 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 uh, the, oh. the two television episodes and one Yeah, so
1: one uh, in the late 1980s Reynolds also appeared in Out of This World, NBC's TV series that followed an, the earthbound adventures of an alien from the fictional planet Antarius. Reynolds voiced the character Troy Garland Father to 13-year-old Evie Ethel Garland. I've never never saw that show, so
4: I'm not familiar mm-hmm. with that. No, no, um, I, I never saw that one either.
1: <clears throat> Reynolds fans may also remember a handful of other genre appearances, including a 2012 voice role for a well-received episode of Archer titled "The Man from Jupiter," in oh. which Reynolds oh. played himself.
5: Yeah, that, that I saw.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, in 2005, Reynolds also voiced two characters. Himself and JJ McClure for the Gold Dust Gasoline episode of Robot Chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And then uh, he also starred in the first two direct to video sequels, which screams quality right there. Oh, yeah. It does. Uh, In the Universal Soldier franchise.
2: Ooh. (laughs)
4: <laughs> Ooh, that sounds awful. When yeah. was that? What was that? What year was that? It uh,
1: yeah. Let's see. Aired in 1998 as follow-ups to the successful 1992 theatrical original starring, starring Jean Claude
4: Van
2: Damme. Yeah, Dine. Universal yeah. Soldier was. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, that. Yeah, that's.
4: I can't. Uh, I'm I'm envisioning in my head a sequence of events that would make someone want to make this movie and then cast Burt Reynolds in it, and I'm just (laughs) I'm just I'm I'm not seeing it. It's it's hard. It's
3: really hard. Well, it could be what I heard about. uh, Steven Seagal was like he's the
4: king of direct to 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 video movies. He's he's done like two hundred plus movies and people don't even know it because well, what I understand through. is
3: they'll they'll make the movie and they, but they want to put a name actor in it so they'll basically shoehorn a scene in there where they can bring a they basically flies in shoots for a couple of days and flies out so it's he's rarely the protagonist of the film he's like a hmm. he, he's like some mentor figure or some mercenary they bring in he's like a Patrick year. Stewart in Space Vampires <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah perhaps probably. a bit yes
1: although he probably wasn't nearly as famous back then
3: oh well yeah. That, that, uh, that, that was before TNG, he right? T- all he'd he done Dune and yeah. what else? Yeah, did.
4: yeah, yeah.
2: Dune and he, he was a, still a Shakespearean actor at that point. A yeah, a lot of stage work. Sure.
4: Well, mm-hmm. uh, it, was he? Is he bald in Space Family? Yes. Oh, yeah. I would hope so.
2: I mean,
1: I mean, he has hair along the side, which there, more of it than he had in the there, next gen. But there's a that's, hilarious longer, picture
2: anyway. that I've seen, but I c- cannot produce right now of a fully haired. Uh, Captain Picard. Or, oh really? Yeah.
4: Oh I've well, seen that picture. It's weird.
2: It's so it, weird. It, it Just is. Like, it's like Patrick Stewart with a full head of brown hair mm. as Captain Picard. Yeah, you
4: look at him, I'm thinking, Picard, you're Kevin. It's like if so. you if you put if you put <laughs> Kevin hair, Picard. If you put hair on Patrick Stewart's head, he's like it's skippy. It's Kevin. It's so did they? Steve. It's did they just stick just a guy. hair on
1: yeah. Captain? Or, yeah. I want to make sure. I was thinking maybe it was a, a actually, an old yeah. photo of him where he actually had hair, and they just stuck the face on the
4: body. Yeah. No, it was. Well, I, could, could you send Bill that picture? Yeah, so I'll post it. I will it right have to right find right it, and okay. I will send it to That's Bill. Like, okay. So Since so I know I'll, the picture is going to be over cool. there or over there, I'm going to go. It's scary. It'll be it'll be right in this area.
5: Yeah. Off the wall question. What are there any myths, categories of myths, that our society has killed off, that we're missing?
3: That's a good question. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, um, There's certainly some that for a while seem like they've like some, some that have like uh, racist undertones that, that go winter the ground for a while and then yeah, and then, yeah there then, are. then something <laughs> happened yeah yeah and then they, they kind that's that that's hard to say if anything absolutely died. There's certainly things that, that sure lose their audience. Boy. Yeah. But then again, maybe, maybe those guys, those, well, yeah, Roger Welsh made, made a good chunk of his career um, going back to um, these WP, these uh, Works Progress Administration booklets that were done back in the, back in the 30s, where people would go around, they were, they, were, they were make-work jobs, they were going around the country collecting stories, and these folks collected all these stories in the 1930s from the people they, that they encountered, and they wrote them up, they had very limited publication, they'd be in these very cheap, you know, mimeographed. You know, stapled books, and yeah, you know, Roger Welsh, the Nebraska folklorist, found these and, and wrote and wrote them off These are stories that had that largely people didn't tell anymore. You know, they were huh. by by that time they were forty fifty years old, and he just by um, reprinting them, bringing them back, you can sort of resurrect that sort of thing. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just stuff ebbs and flows of it. Completely goes away. It's, hard, it's that's hard to tell. Is, is there any? Well, I won't. will get into it. You know, how, 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 but how difficult is it to, kill, to utterly kill a concept? It's no,
4: well, it's, I mean, it's tough. tough. Yeah. There are a lot, there's a lot of Native American folklore that has been killed mm. by the destruction of the people that believed in it. So yeah, you can this, do that. I mean, yeah. there's but, always
5: a sequel, isn't there? Huh? It's hard to kill. <laughs> I was just, it's hard well, to kill kill just he's going. Yeah, it's yeah, L- it's just DVD like DVDs. vampires, it's hard to kill a myth.
3: Because then you have a book. That, that's what I heard about Black Elk Speaks. When Black Elk Speaks was originally written in the nineteen thirties, had a very limited audience. Went through one through one printing, and off it goes. And then in the nineteen fifties, all these folks in Europe are investigating Native American folklore. Because you know, by that time, mm. now now it's pretty pretty close to dead. Yeah. And they found this book, this incredible documentation, and it gets, and it gets done the printing, and John Neihart, the, the great Nebraska author, is, is still living, and he has a, a whole second career over work that he, that he did in the
4: 1930s. A lot of folklore, it can die off because it's not really applicable anymore. It's like a lot of Native American folklore is naturalist. It's like mm-hmm. talking about, all right, for example, the little people. It's like little people can be between like four feet and like six inches tall. Uh, and very and even smaller and very a great deal from tribe to tribe to tribe but they're all naturalistically centered it's like uh, it's all out there in the forest but where who goes to the forest anymore right We're, we're most americans can't name six trees we we don't go outside and that includes Native americans cuz we named have all mine bob well Joe. and that is yeah. actually worse I know that. Than, than than any other way to put it. it. I've been waiting for a bad pun from you all day. And <laughs> yes. You make I, me I, happy. But but, but us, let me finish pun. let me finish real quick. It's like we don't go outside anymore. Our children sit in front of video games, and so do we to a great deal of extent. It's like we don't go outside, we don't walk through nature. Therefore, naturalistic folklore really has no place. It's like you can read it, it can sound quaint. It can be entertaining, but is it really applicable in terms of how Americans now live their life? Well,
3: and especially because the, the, when we do go outside in the forest, the forest that we st- the, when we do go into the forest, which, which, and people do do it from time to time, these are largely controlled environments. You know, these are places that are d- very strictly yeah, delineated. This is no the forest. Right. Yeah. There, there, there will be bears coming through. There will be, or there will be. And, and, and there's, there's a bear.
1: boardwalk through the forest. You can just walk along the boardwalk and enjoy nature and not have yes. to get down in it. The bears They're are mostly or, well,
3: controlled, though. Yes, yeah, and, and, and not be eaten by right. it, as we were talking about with the, with, right. with the bears. Right? But,
2: yeah, I'm guessing that nobody, uh, no one's parents here taught them how to leave uh, cream and honey out for gnomes or Elves to keep them from
4: exactly, or yeah, uh, giving disease to your for cows your, for your elves, or they're gonna, yeah, the little people will burn your crops and right. yeah, little folklores that don't we could read about it, but I mean, maybe you know, if, you, if, if your grandma tells you these stories, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in the forest, <coughs> a place you don't
3: go or have maybe never been,
4: all of a sudden, all these stories come back and you're freaked out.
3: Well, yeah, there's, you know now, now you're tricking my memory, this is actually kind of a, a major deal. Uh, there are a couple of uh, anthropologists from the uh, University of Pittsburgh who did some work in uh, rural uh, Tlaxcala in, in, in Mexico amongst Native American folks there. And in 1960, there was still a going idea that there was this blood-sucking witch called the Tlalapuuchi that would um, kill babies. And you know my mothers would, would wake up in the morning, and, and my God, my baby is dead. And it was just a, it was a tragedy. So it was a, it was really their their way of dealing with SIDS. Uh, uh, of dealing with SIDS. Um, yeah. the, the anthropologists that were looking at this were sort of realizing what was going on that there was a lot of co sleeping going on. Mm. Oh. And so that, so there there's mm. and on, a, on a warm or on a cold night when yeah when when people would get up the, and and there's these folks are still on traditional sleep cycles where you get up for a few couple hours in the middle of the night. So they get huh. up, they nurse their babies and they'd go back to bed and bad in, things. In Mexico? In yeah, in
4: all right, Mexico. Alright, the whole the whole uh in, in, not in, in, coast in nineteen sixty. Yeah. But it's like that's obviously some kind of colonial Western influence on Mexican culture because co sleeping is the habit in in the world. So mm-hmm. um, okay, so this is probably some kind of form of colonial rebellion kind of in a little way.
3: So, well, it, it, it was a remnant it, but, but yeah. so th- the, these same folks though, they came back in 1982 and this, all these stories, there was this very rich folklore about these about these blood sucking, which is these Tla mm-hmm. They came back in 1982 and it is gone. Hmm. Yeah, because by that time there was rural education, there was rural yeah. media. Huh. Their, you know, the, their world, their, their worldview, had changed to such an extent that I mean, you could ask people about it, and these people would say, "Oh yes, 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 yeah, they were real." That, but it was, it was in the past. It was no longer a folk tradition that you could use right here. Oh, I see. It, now it's, it, well. We used to do that. We used to, we used to think that. So or, that
1: or, that would be a story that's dying out. out. Yes. Then.
4: <clears throat> All right. That, well, that's,
3: that's a hell of a thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe because it lost its audience. It, it lost its applicability. It's relevance. It, it's,
4: yeah, no, I dig. I do. Uh, sad, kind of. But, I mean, not really. I mean, mm-hmm. it, uh, I, I, I'm not a fan. I like to dispel ignorance rather than perpetuate it. but And you're not still, a fan of SIDS. I'm, no, I'm not. Uh, just <laughs> as We're i taking assume, that position I assume as a podcast Charles right is now. not a, pa- a fan of uh, genocide. Mm-hmm. No. So no. yeah.
2: Mr. Dracula.
5: Yeah, well, Mr. Dracula. Was, yeah, Dracula. Yeah. No. yeah. Dracula. Now, now I'm the, Well, the army of vampires when they come, I might be okay well, with that. Going all it.
4: going all bond. Uh not, Dracula. not if, but Chuck Chuck if but Dracula. Dracula. Yes. But when, right. yes. Yeah. Chucky Dracula. I like it. Yeah,
3: yeah. uh, works. Chuck yeah. the Dragon. John John Fine out of University of, Mich- out of Michigan. Yeah, he got a hold of this interesting little tidbit from somewhere where someone was talking about these uh, vampires in um, in Serbia in the, 19th, in the 19th century, and talking about they were still doing vampire hunts in pre- in, in the 19th century in Serbia, and he, you know, what he describes, and the last line of his report is, "Boy, I don't think we're gonna get some schools out here and dispel these this ignorance from these people that are doing these things." But at the same time, you have these people who are collecting Serbian folklore as a way of, of, of
5: preserving of, it, of, well, yeah. like
3: preserving Serbian language and just and just getting Serbian literature going. And so, on the one hand, yes, you, you don't want to go around digging up dead bodies, but on the other hand, boy, you 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 kind of are losing something. It's the darndest thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's a paradoxical thing that we uh-huh. kind of have to do. But darn, yeah, you, you, well, you, you do lose something. Yeah,
4: and it's like it's like to <coughs> to say that uh, by removing these, I'm dispelling ignorance, destroys the idea of the social construction of reality that. We all, we all actually operate on different realities, and theirs is just as valid as, as ours. Um, so by, by claiming I'm dispelling ignorance, I'm actually proclaiming that my way of looking at things is better than yours, and, and that's not right. But, um, but it may be true. It may be true. So In uh, certain cases. I mean, because like the people who, who, vaccinations view, yeah, who view vaccinations yeah. as, uh, mm-hmm. as wrong they're wrong, and they're harming their children and other children. And it's like, that's terrible. But, right. yeah, is well, it time to go?
1: It is time to go. And I uh, want to definitely thank our guest, Stu, for yes. uh, enlightening us on yes. some Let's interesting golf vampire clap, story. Golf clap for Stu. Yay. Thank you. Thank you, Yay. Stu. Thank you. And um, we'll uh, be back next time. I don't know that we know for sure who's going to be on the next show, but we will definitely have some... St- Stunning news to share with you at
4: that point. We will. We, we will. will. Okay. We will. Well, but, all right. Who's this "we" stuff, white man? Because I, <laughs> I don't know what it is that you want to share. I'm. I'm I imagine after the cameras off, you'll yes. tell me, and then I'll be excited. Is and this then just you'll be very Building excited.
2: up hype for the next episode.
1: You'll have
4: to tune in to see. <laughs>
2: as will uh, you.
3: Also like oh, and subscribe. Oh,
4: okay. okay. <laughs> it's a. It's a gimmick. <laughs> I like it. Yes,
3: yes, yes. I'm Just gonna... because it's a gimmick doesn't mean
4: yes. it's not Yes, watch next, time. next show. All right. Schopenhauer. Subscribe.
2: Schopenhauer. Tell <laughs> yes. your friends.
1: We'll we'll use our vampire powers yes. to lure okay. them in. All right, folks. Well, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. I'm Bill.
2: I'm John. I'm Charles. I'm Seth. I'm Stu. He's still Stu. We'll
1: see you next time. Bye-bye.
3: Bye bye. Bye bye bye.